You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. Uh, Well, this is kind of an interesting start for me um, because I'm going to talk about a kid's movie real quick. I have two boys. Um, They enjoy TV. We don't let it, we, we monitor that as closely as we can, but sometimes they do things in repetition and you just don't know why they're doing it over and over and over again. And for the first time, Kai has been obsessed with this movie, uh, Ferdinand. It's about a bull. You guys seen that? We with children, we know, stand united. So we've seen that, I don't know, a million times in, in a week. Um, and we're going on like three, four weeks like this is all he wants to watch. And I remember I was, I was making my coffee one morning and he was asking to watch it. And so I put it on real quick and it just picked up where it left off. And I just had this weird thought in my head of maybe the Lord is having him repeat it for a reason. Maybe the Lord is using him as a vessel because he needs to communicate something to me. Just odd, out of left field. Those are normally the thoughts you want to pay attention to. Those those sideways thoughts that just intersect uh, where you're at have nothing to do with what you're doing. And so I just asked the Lord very clearly, Lord, is there something you need me to hear? And immediately he said yes. And immediately it was the, the moment in the movie he needed me to pay attention to. Which is, I mean, that's just how God does it. He probably just laughs because we're just sitting there like, this is crazy. But he's seen this moment since the beginning of time. He knew it was coming. He's just that good. And it's this moment where Ferdinand's dad just, you know, kind of showed off, did his thing, impressed the bullfighter, and he got selected to go to, to the ring and, and fight for glory is what they think. They don't really know what happens in the bullfighting thing. These bulls think they're going to go in and, and dominate. And he's talking about it to his son, and his son's just asking him, like this, he's just telling his son, this is the dream. And he just asks, is it okay if it's not my dream? And there's this moment where he just starts to question all that his father knows. He questions all that his father knows. And his father has nothing to offer him. But, well, when you grow up, you'll want to do this too. I just, I mean, right there, that was it. And the Lord just pointed out this, this need for us to, when we come to these moments with people, these vulnerable moments, these life-changing moments. And identity, you've got to understand, is tied in that question. I cannot watch a single movie, including Ferdinand the Bull, kids movie, and not see identity in it. This is a fictional character, and I can see identity in it because he's struggling to conform to the world around him because that's not who he's meant to be. Very different. There's identity all over it, and he's struggling to settle into this identity Because the world around him is saying, no, that's not right. You can't be that. Can't do it. And so anyways, brought me to this moment. We've we've talked about this for a long time. And it goes all the way back to October 20th, 2019. Do you remember when Andrew and Lisa, if you were here, shared their testimony here? If you got to be here a long time ago. But um, what an amazing day. But I remember... That was the moment that the Lord spoke that what he was 
building, that we would be these pro- we would be the father in this story and what he was leading us into, running out to meet the prodigal sons and daughters that are seeking to return home. That we would be that father in, in the stories to come, in the days ahead. That he was going to rock the nation. He was going to remove, and this is in 2019. I'm sitting in these chairs, and he's speaking this, that he's going to remove the gray. And that he's going to have us, instead of just being an emergency room, we're going to be an emergency service that goes out and brings people in. But there's a moment, and we're going to look at this story, and I know we've looked at it a hundred times, but we're going to look at it 101 times. We're going to look at Luke uh, chapter 15, the story of the prodigal son, because there's a moment when the son and the father meet. After all of this has happened and they are reunited for the first time, there's a pivotal moment, and we need to readdress that again. So turn with me to Luke 15. <clears throat> we'll start in verse 11. There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of my property that is coming to me. And he divided the property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise, and I will go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and before you I am no longer worthy to be called your son." Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. So this moment of encounter with between the father and the son, and we gotta you gotta see identity all over this, right? We gotta see identity all over this because the son recognized what he had done, and then found his identity within his actions. How many of us have done that? What I do defines me. That's what we believe. That's what we've grown up reading. We look at this book as a book of instruction, then you will find yourself in this category of what I do is who I am. That is not true. That is not true. So what truth is spoken Or what is spoken, I just gave the answer away. What is spoken to the son by the father, it's truth. Right? I just told you. Shoot. It's going to be so cool. But what does the father cover the son with? He covers him, he gives him a robe, he gives him a ring, he puts shoes on his feet, and that that is righteousness. What is righteousness? Righteousness is this unwavering truth. Randy's been in Sunday school talking about relationship and we see that unwavering relationship. The son can do nothing 
to change the relationship. He can do nothing in his father's eyes that will take him out of this category of being my son. Can't do anything. And we see that there. He, he presents him, the father immediately doesn't even allow the son to finish, presents him. It, he totally ignores everything the son said. It's not like he's like, hey, that's okay, don't worry about that, and then moves on. He just totally, it's like it in one ear, right out the other, because it was not truth and it was not righteousness. He didn't even acknowledge it. And he immediately begins to speak to his identity. In this moment, the son learned the truth of his life is not tied to his actions, but to his identity. He is found righteous in his father's eyes because he is simply his son. This truth and righteousness is a foundational teaching. These are foundational things, right? We're, we're going through Sunday nights again. We're going through uh, foundational teachings. And Randy, for a lot of years, has taught us a lot of these things that we're going to teach again. I'm going to teach again but it's because I'm a different vessel, right? What have we been talking about the last two weeks? I'm a different person. So when we look at body, soul, and spirit, as Randy has taught us, and I've told you this many times, and I know there are several in here that may be already gone out of left field with the Lord right now because I've said something and the Lord took you somewhere else because you've heard what you need to hear and now he needs to teach you something different. I would sit in here and listen to Randy. He would say something the first 30 seconds. It's like, boom, I'm gone. And the Lord was teaching me something else. And I'd have to go back and listen to the sermon that I was sitting in here for because I didn't hear any of it past the first few minutes because the Lord captured me with something he had to teach me. So in that sense, these foundational things, there are different layers because the Lord has taught me different things and I've, I have different circumstances and encounters. I've lived a different life than Randy has. Very different. So, I, I mean, I can take you to the coffee shop in Nacogdoches, Texas when I was introduced to body, soul, and spirit. I could put you in the seat. Randy wasn't at that coffee shop. He didn't go to school in Nacogdoches. We have different circumstances. We have different, uh, a different life, a very unique perspective. So we're going to go over those things again. But this truth and righteousness is a foundational thing. These two should flow out of us so naturally to the world around us. Because it's, it, it should be so settled in us, the truth and righteousness that is spoken over us. I am a son of God. I can do nothing to change that. And if I am a son of God and unwavering in that role, I can do no, it's not tied to my actions, but it is set in stone. It is set in eternity. I am a son of God. Then that also means that I am an heir to the kingdom of heaven. And that should flow out. Not in an arrogant way but in a freeing way because I am living and I am operating in the fullness of what I was created to live and operate in. There's not a one of us on this earth breathing today that was not made for him. But we are the hands and feet. We are the vessels for truth and righteousness. They should encounter that truth and righteousness in us. Not because we speak it, not because they come to church, but because they simply are in our presence. The son didn't have to do anything for his father to respond. He just simply had to be present. And the father spoke truth and righteousness over him. I had this question. All that to say, I've had this question on my mind. And I, I told the Wednesday night group that I was going to repeat it. Because um, it was just too powerful. And we're going to spend some time. I don't know how long we'll be in this. But the Lord is still teaching me a lot about this question. 
So go ahead and turn to Romans 12. We'll be in verse 1. One foundational thing that I have recognized, and I've said this before, the Lord brings these words sometimes through correction in me. He has to correct me, get me to see what it is, allow me to receive it before I can bring it, right? And one of these things that I've recognized that we as a church do really poorly. I'm talking about a church across the, across the globe. The body of Christ does really poorly right now at this day is honoring the differences in one another. We do a real bad job at it. Real bad job at honoring the differences in one another. Romans 12 verse 1. I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortion, the one who contributes in his generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. We are different. So specifically and significantly different. So, this question again. How do we thrive in our differences? I can't escape it. The question is always knocking on my door. How do we thrive and the body of Christ in our differences. Because if you look at the world right now, and you look at differences, they use differences as a mean for division. Plain and simple, to lump you into a category. Your differences get with people that are the same as you, and you guys keep to yourselves, and this group keep to themselves, and we'll just... Even with all the talk of unity, still just lumping people into categories. That's the word. The world can't, it can't know what it doesn't know. So it can't change what it has no ability to change. Even if they want to. So if that's the way the world views differences, what does that mean about the kingdom of God? It's got to be the exact opposite. Another kingdom paradigm. If the world does it one way, I guarantee the, the Lord does it another. So the world uses differences to divide us. The kingdom uses differences to unite us. I have two hands. They are not the same. But I'm grateful for both. Right? I know you righties are always hating on lefties, but I guarantee if we lopped your left hand off, you'd probably be like, man, I really love that left hand. Because they're pretty awesome. All right, I'm telling you, us lefties are more enlightened 
and we recognize the value of our right hand. You'll get there one day, righties. It's all right. We're trying to lead you into it. But they're different. And it's so simple. This is my body. This is the simplest example of the body of Christ. It's the one you walk around in every day. And I am grateful for my left half just as much as I am my right half. I'm grateful for all the members, and they're all different. Not a one of them's the same. Every one of them is different, and I'm grateful for all of them. But we in the church, what we've done, we've done this over and over and over again for so long. We've adopted the way the world does things. Right? I used to ask my kids this when, they, when I was the youth pastor, and they were talking about difficult situations they would find themselves in or, or their peer group, and, uh, you know, not, they're the only ones that go to church or something like that. And my question would always be, who is influencing who? Are you beginning to look like them or are they beginning to look like you? And we would use it in this, in this frame of mind, recognizing that if they're walking with the Spirit of God, they're the authority in any place they enter into. Every spirit yields to them. Talking about that, but again, I would ask the same question to the church, who is influencing who? Because the world should look at us and see us very, very different people and very, very united. Thriving in difference. Thriving in our differences. Because we can't forget also that last week, the last uh, few weeks, we've talked about his love. It's for all of us and it's for one of us. I'm the only me that will ever exist. And I have this unique relationship with God. Because this relationship between Parker and God is the only one that's going to be between Parker and God. Because I'll never exist again. So his love is uniquely for me as well. And if on that base level, how can we not see that it, it, if my relationship with God is different than Zach's relationship with God, but this same God that we walk with, how can he not want us united in the differences? Because his love is, is so built around our differences. So intricately designed. It's such a beautiful thing to think that God cannot be comprehended. A lot of people don't like that. I love it. I don't want a God I can comprehend. I'm not that smart. That's scary. If I can figure him out, we're in trouble. Hey, come on. It's too eager to say yep on that one. No, I, if I can figure him out, that's not good. I need the mystery. But if he himself is mysterious and we exist in and we are reflections of his heart, then we ourselves should be mysterious. And if he is not fully comprehended, then we ourselves should understand that there are things about one another we will not ever fully comprehend. Like why we all exist right now together. It's not that we would be divided. It is that we would be united. But there are differences in each and every one of us. And thank God there are differences in each and every one of us. Because the landscape of this image of God that it creates is so much, it's so much more beautiful. It's so much more powerful. So there are natural God-given differences in each one of us. And we can't forget this word from Jay on the Holy Spirit. Two weeks ago, the Holy Spirit is the shared image, the shared expression of the heart of the Father and the heart of the Son. He is the connection between the two. That is the Spirit of God. He is a bridge builder. The Lord has called us to be bridge builders. 
And so we do a really bad job. Lord was, was telling me this as we look at how do we thrive in difference. He was showing me we do a really bad job of allowing the spirit in me to connect with the spirit in you. This is what the spirit does. In the Trinity, he connects the two hearts of the Father and Son. And so that's what he wants to do in us. But it's not just what he wants to do in me. It's what he wants to do in me and you. I know there are some in here that have met a complete stranger, but the Spirit in you has recognized the Spirit in them. If you haven't experienced that, man, I hope you experience it soon. Because it's this moment where you would give your life for a complete and total stranger. You don't know a thing about them. Don't know where they grew up. Don't know what they do for a living. Don't know their view on things that you like to do. We just don't know. But the spirit in me is connected to the spirit in them because that's what he does. He's a bridge builder, but we don't allow him those opportunities. So what would happen if we would allow the spirit of God to connect the two? Not just in me, not just the two hearts of the father and son in me, but the two hearts of the father and son in me and in you. What would this intricate network begin to look like? Again, I, I studied kinesiology in college. It's, it's where my mind goes naturally when talking about the body of Christ. The network of communication to just allow me to do this is like insane. And the rate of firing and all these things that have to happen just for me to get up here, talk, and move my hands a little bit is insane. Now imagine the body of Christ working with the same intricacy. The same diversity. The same uniqueness. So what would happen if we would allow the Spirit of God to connect the two? Not just in me, but in us. Turn with me to Acts 2, 42. Playing the classics this morning. Verse 42, And they devoted themselves to apostles' teaching and fellowship, to breaking of bread and prayers, and all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those that were being saved. Verse 41 these people just became Christians. They just received the Spirit of God in verse 41. Thousands of people just boom. Hear the word from Peter because he received the Holy Spirit in the beginning of Acts 2. He speaks in obedience. Words given to him by the Holy Spirit. And now we have thousands of people saved. And boom. Living life just like that. There's no church. There's no pastor there's no pastoral staff there's no board of directors or deacons or anything like that there's no fellowship meals schedule on the calendar I mean there's nothing these people are operating in perfect unity in one vision and you have thousands of people that all of a sudden are just selling their belongings this incredibly unique act of obedience we've talked about this before that doesn't mean that to be a good Christian you got to sell all your stuff the Lord was asking that church right then and there, that group of people, this was your act of obedience. This is what I'm asking you to do. And all of a sudden, a city of people began to do it. Operating in perfect obedience. Not because one got up and said, hey, we're going to do this now. 
because this is what the Lord has spoken. All of them independently, individually hearing the word of God spoken to them because the spirit of God dwells in them. And they were thriving in difference. They were thriving in their differences. You got to also remember, this is not just a bunch of Jews. This is Jew and Gentile. Those born into it and those born out of it. Operating all of a sudden in perfect unity. It was incredibly confusing for a lot of people to see the unity from Jew and Gentile all of a sudden thriving together. Now turn back to Romans 12. Just to remind us once again, this word in verse 4. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. I am challenging this house that we would be bridge builders first in the body of Christ. I'm telling you, the Lord, the banner over everything that he's doing is reestablishing the mystery in his people. There, I mean, it's the same that he, he speaks when he says, go nowhere uh, among the, the, the Samaritans or the Gentiles, but take care first the house of Israel. Uh, an unhealthy body of Christ. We don't want to bring people into that, Right? We want a healthy body. And a healthy body looks like one another thriving in the differences that we share. What a beautiful thing. Because if I am an individual, unique, specific, and significant, unique image of God that will never exist again, and so are you, I would much rather be united in the differences that are between us because us together make a better picture than us apart right? There will not ever be another Danny Green. So I would rather us thrive in unity instead of be divided because of difference. Because the difference is the really beautiful thing about each of us. It's not the things we have in common. It's the things that are different because that paints a bigger picture. If there were just a bunch of me running around, we wouldn't get a very big picture. Even though there's a lot of us, there are 6.8 billion Parkers. You would just see a really big focus on one thing. But instead, there's 6.8 billion individuals unique to right now, never to exist again. What image does that paint of the heart of God? So I'm challenging this place that we would be a house that thrives in our differences. That will create mystery. I'm telling you, that will create mystery like no one has ever seen. And that will become this lighthouse as the world around is shaking and crumbling down, people will see this light that is unfading. This lighthouse that is consistently shining. The rough seas and calm still shining. United in our differences. So Lord, that's my prayer. That in this house, we would be a house that thrives in our differences. That celebrates our differences. Thank you God, we are not all the same. But we can be of the same mind, the mind of Christ. And I pray that we would not limit, we would not narrow down, we would not, we would not make small what it is to be of the mind of Christ.
Because the simple thing that put you on the cross was your love. Your desire for obedience, I can't comprehend it. So I pray that also I would not be able to comprehend your mind and the fullness of it. And all the things that you have seen from the beginning of time and all the things you see thousands and thousands of years ahead of us. I pray that we would have the mind of Christ. But Lord, I pray that we would not make that a small thing to have the mind of Christ. But I pray what we would see, what our hearts would immediately rejoice in is seeing one another operating in the will of God. That we would enjoy being in this backyard together. No matter our differences, celebrating our differences. Lord, it's what you desire for the body. That we would recognize we are different and praise God we are different. Reestablish that mystery in this place. First, let it be established with those in here. That we would rejoice, we would celebrate our differences. Because it adds to this beautiful tapestry of who you are and your heart for us. You are so beyond anything we can understand. And everyone in here is so far beyond any one of us can understand. Because everyone in here carries a unique image of the heart of God. Everyone in here is uniquely and significantly and specifically created to be a vessel for the presence of God. No vessel in here is the same. Praise God. So I pray that we would thrive in our differences. We would celebrate them. Rejoice in them. And we would see more of you in them. And that, Lord, as you, as you change this house, as you begin to change the body of Christ, I pray that the world around us would begin to reflect what you're doing in here. That this question would be very simply answered. Who is influencing who? It would be answered, the body of Christ is influencing the world around them. So Lord, we pray for that truth. We pray for that reality in our lifetime, not later. We don't look at it in future tense. We look at it right now. We take ownership of it right now. That we would be a people that thrive in our differences. (coughs) That we would see more of the heart of God than we have ever seen. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear. The beauty that is before us with each new person we come in contact with. In Jesus' name we pray. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.